Welcome back to the Bison Boys podcast. I am your host, Jack Clifford. Along, we got some technical issues we're trying to figure out right now, but we're trying to, we're getting it handled, I think. Spencer's going to work his magic. But right now, we're, we're back, season three, or episode three, excuse me. Wow. It's been, a, it's been, it's been a long day already. Can you, can you hear me over that? I can hear you. Yeah, it's going through out here. It's not going through in there. Okay. Oh. Is it? Can you hear it over there? It's going through there. It's just not coming through the speakers in here, so we're fine. All right. Anyways, moving on. Um, so intro. How we how we doing, Spencer? How are you feeling? I know you've been you were off for a week. How are you feeling? I never had a sense. Oh god, I forgot I have to talk into this. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. Uh, it's good to be back. Yes, sir. And uh, yeah, kind of sucked not being here for a few days. Had to miss a game. Had to miss a podcast. But we're back. Yeah, we're good. No lingering sickness. Good. I think. I'm glad I was asymptomatic, so we're good. Good to hear, man. COVID's over. <laughs> All right, we have a we have a pretty pretty special episode today. We have our special guest coming in on the phone. I don't know, Austin. Do you do you know how to pronounce his name? Since it's your guest. So we have Jake Ignazuski from the Massachusetts Pirates and the Woo Sox coming in today to join us on the podcast. Bring us some interesting facts and info about himself, and kind of lead us into the right direction of maybe giving us a, giving us a uh, what's it called, like uh, opportunity. I think that's the word I was yeah. thinking of. Okay, thank you, Spencer. So while we await Jake on joining the podcast, let's uh, give a quick rundown on what's going on in terms of Nichols Athletics. Pop oh, that's a lot better. Wait, hold oh, on. It's a lot worse. Is it? Turn the sensitivity down, so we have to be closer. What does that do? Oh, that's good. That cleared it up. <laughs> Technical difficulties across <laughs> oh, the board today. Across the board. There we go. We We're fixed good. it. We're good. All right. So kicking off with Nichols Athletics, we had the men's soccer team beating DMPI, I believe it is. By a score of eight to three, this might be from you last week. What is that abbreviation? DMPI. We're about to find out. Oh, oh, we got, got him it. calling in. I believe so. All right, it's it's, it's going to be funky right now, so just bear with us now. Jake, are you there? Oh my god. Jake, are you there? Why is it a? Hello? Right, we can't get Jake right now. We're trying to get Jake. Jake, you there? Oh, I, I can hear him on the phone, but I'm try we're trying to get you on like the radio actually. Hold on, we're gonna try to we're just gonna do some troubleshooting. Troubleshoot, yep. You you continue on with your with your stuff and I'll okay. try to figure this out. So Jack, so, continuing on with Nichols Athletics, we, we have, oh boy, here we go, we have the eSports team pulling away three games to nothing over Ole Miss. Um, the women's volleyball team winning three games to one on September 22nd, and 
then the cross-country team got first in the Travis Fuller Invitational, along with the women's field hockey team winning by a score of 5-1 to one over Gordon College. And wrapping up on the tennis court, we have the women's tennis team winning by a score of 9 to nothing, three double wins and six single wins, along with the men's tennis team winning 5 to 1 with two double wins and three single wins. Do we have the uh, phone working? I'm trying to figure it out. So continuing on with the weekend, we're going to briefly touch upon some important things that happened over the weekend, starting off with the NFL no longer has a Pro Bowl game as it will be replacing the full contact game with the Pro Bowl games, which is a week of skills competitions and a flag football game, according to the Associated Hello? Press. Uh, I don't really think a lot of players are going to be Hello? Can you guys hear him or so no? Whatever you're doing is just making the mic super sensitive. And now the mic's just... Hello? Oh, wait. Do you hear him? Yeah, yeah you it's very bump quiet though. You're going to bump the phone up. Can you hear him? Bump the phone up and you have to stay on the phone. Yeah. Can you hear him? I can hear you. Jake, talk. Hello? Yo, okay. Can you hear that? Yeah. There we go. Turn it up a little bit more and we'll see. Crank it up all the way. Hello? Can you hear us, Jake? All right, there we go. Sweet. All right, so <laughs> now that we have our special guest on, we have Jake Ignuski from the Massachusetts Pirates, Woo Sox, and he is his host of his two own podcasts. So, beginning on his long resume, we have him as the director of media content and a team insider for the Massachusetts Pirates, a production assistant for the Worcester Woo Sox. He is also the host of the Iggy Sports Talk, his very own podcast, and the co-host of Locked On Red Sox, as well as a mental health advocate. So, first off, Jake, how are we doing today? Thank you for joining us today. So to start off, um, we'll start off with the Massachusetts Pirates. As, we, uh, as I previously mentioned, you are the director of media content and a team insider for the Mass Pirates. So to start off, what does your job entirely consist of? ideas right now to you know recap what happened throughout the 2022 season 
um, and now starting to preview fans for the 2023 season. So it's a, lo- it's a lot of, um, you know, just, just coming up with different ideas for, you know, how we can um, promote different stuff that the team did during the season, whether, whether it's through video content, um, written content, um, also host a podcast for them as well. Um, but it's, it's, it's a lot of stuff that, um, you know, I love to do and have always dreamed of wanting to do for a sports team. Uh, I have a question for Spencer here. Um, we have two sports marketing majors here on this podcast, me and Jack Morvin, and I was just wondering kind of what was your path through college to get you to this point and through everything you learned to get to this point? So it's actually uh, pretty unique. I, I actually changed my major going into my junior year um, of college from business administration to sports management. Um, and I'll never forget my advisor said to me, you know, it's going to be really difficult for you to get a job in the industry. You're starting off late. Um, you don't have any experience compared to anybody else um, that you'd be essentially going up against in jobs. So it uh, wasn't, wasn't too encouraging, but uh, I, I sort of said to her, give me one year and, and watch. Um, and, you know, I went to Plymouth State University. They don't have, um, you know, a huge broadcaster journalism department. So um, I essentially had to find experience um, really anywhere I could within the uh, university. So tried to do some stuff, event staff stuff, um, PA as well uh, for um, the athletic department. Um, also do, did exactly what you guys are doing right now. I, I, had, my, I had my own radio show, um, and that sort of stemmed off me wanting to you know, start my own multimedia uh, personal brand, as I would call it, Iggy Sports Talk, um, because I didn't really find any other way to be able to get on-camera experience um, other than just doing it myself. And so, you know, I, I really just started off, um, you know, just I honestly started off by just, like, posting a picture of what happened in sports that day and then you know, would write in the caption, like, my thoughts. And then, you know, I started making reels, YouTube videos. Um, and then I also tried to get a little bit more involved in, like, the clubs that were around um, my university. So sports management club and, um, and, and really kind of, Everything I, I did throughout my, um, you know, college career, I, I just tried to be curious on, you know, how I would be able to, you know, potentially make, you know, my radio show or, um, you know, the sports management club better, you know. So it's kind of like what you guys are doing right now, you know, just getting guests on is, is exactly what I did. I, I reached out to so many different people. Um, I, I can say um, probably my best guest was um, the guy who played Marty Daniels in Blue Mountain State. And that was literally from me just messaging him on LinkedIn. Um, I also got some some other major league and uh, major league players and NFL players, and that was all just through me reaching out. So, um, r- really, like what I've learned is you know networking, meeting people, um, and just being curious is is really the best way to um, not not only you know get your foot in the door in this industry, but um, you know be able to get opportunities because um, you know. You mentioned the Massachusetts Pirates. I got that opportunity through a cold email. You know, I've, I've applied for hundreds of jobs. I've done hundreds of interviews, but me applying, honestly, has never really gotten me a position. Um, it's really just through cold emails. Now, I'm hope, hopefully some of the some of the jobs I apply for actually get me the position, but um, in my instance, it's literally just being curious and sending out an email and praying that, you know, they say yes. Hi, this is Jack here. Um... I was just wondering, as someone who's also into radio podcasting and, you know, in the sports marketing, 
Um, I'm getting a sports marketing degree as well. Um, I was wondering how your podcasting and the stuff that you host um, correlates to your job with the Massachusetts Pirates as well. So I, um, as I mentioned, like with the eSports talk, you know, I started that like right after I changed my major. Um, I, I feel like that that really showed to, um, you know, the, the Mass Pirates, you know, I, I was able to, you know, be, be like a one-man band, you know, make make up like my own ideas, edit my own stuff, and um, you know, be be able to uh, broadcast that stuff and market it in an effective way to where people want to watch and listen. And you know, that's one thing that like I try to tell all my friends, whether it's working in the sports industry or you know whatever industry, like always look at like what you're doing and think about the specific skills that you're gaining through what you're doing and so you know you guys doing this this radio show and podcast you you know you you take time researching you take time reaching out to people building relationships that's media relations right there but you know the researching the organization um the editing like that's that's all building up skills for organization being 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 able to take the initiative to want to go out and get guests and, and, you know, do a show weekly and um, also be able to, you know, learn the editing of it, you know, learn how to market it as well. And so you're, you're really gaining experience doing exactly what you guys are doing right now. And, um, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things that I, I that really helped me be able to get, you know, the, the Locked On Red Sox opportunities. I had a Red Sox podcast before I, I um, got this most recent opportunity and um, I did it all by myself. And, um, you know, I, I did on top of, you know, my classes, work, and also in sports talk as well. And so, um, you know, just really being able to, you know, showcase your ability to do multiple different things and um, be able to explain the specific skills that you gain through your what, what you're doing and the experience that you're getting, um, I think is so valuable and will be able to really help, uh, you know, the, the employer the, or the hiring manager really be able to see the value that you'd be able to bring to their uh, sports team of their network. Awesome, thank you. And this is the other Jack. Um, so what what was like the the hardest part about getting into what you're doing right now? Um, prob- probably the uh, job searching process. Um, so I uh, right after I graduated college, um, I worked for a collegiate baseball team over the summer. Um, and got to do something that I had always dreamed of, which was be a sideline reporter on Nesson. Um, and I was, I was, I felt like I was on top of the world. Um, and then, you know, I started job searching for that next opportunity and it took me four months to be able to get that next opportunity, which was ultimately with the Massachusetts Pirates. Um, but I gotta tell you that job searching was, was not easy whatsoever. I, I worked at my high school job um, at Dunkin' Donuts for four months. Um, and it was, it was really difficult for, me mentally to be able to have the confidence that I was going to be able to get something. You know, I was putting out applications left and right. I was you know, looking on job boards every single day and, you know, no, nothing was sticking. And, um, you know, what I, what I really started to do was just look in the, in the you know, sports teams around me and just cold email and just, just see what opportunities could be out there. Just ask questions. Um, and, you know, it, I got I got really down on myself. It was, it was really difficult to, um, you know, be able to see people that I went to college with, um, see, see them making a lot of money, you know, get, ha- having a job and being successful while I was still, you know, working at my high school job of Dunkin' Donuts. 
um, and not being able to be in a job that I, I, you know, ultimately went to school for four years for to try and get. And so um, that's one of the biggest things that, you know, I, I try and preach is, you know, don't never compare yourself to other people. You know, everybody has their own journey. Um, and, you know, your journey isn't going to exactly align with somebody else's. You know, it, it doesn't matter if you guys are in the same industry or whatever. You know, everybody has um, their own skills. Everybody has their own um, bumps in the road that they have to overcome to ultimately help them uh, be able to get to where they're supposed to be, you know. And, you know, that, that opportunity really helped me, you know, learn more more about myself and um, taught me a lot of, of what specifically the do's and don'ts of job searching. Um, and I, w- I would say that, that that's, the, that's the toughest part. And, you know, it's especially going through the rejection as well because, um, you know, you you are sometimes your biggest critic and there's times when um you know even though you might be killing it even though you might have all this experience that you feel like would be great value to a company and you feel like you deserve this position um even though you might not get the position you know and you might get rejected um you got to make sure to not put yourself down because especially in the sports industry it's so competitive and you could be second place to the person who got the job but you don't know that and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's the biggest thing is just keep on going no matter what, um, even with the rejections. Because, you know, as, as long as you love what you do um, and you believe that you can get there, you're going to make it happen. Jake, this is uh, Austin again. Um, going back to uh, you being the, a production assistant for the Worcester Red Sox, what exactly do you do on your day-to-day, and what does your day schedule look like during your time with the Woo Sox? So uh, with the Woo Sox, um, I, I luckily had the opportunity to work for them for um, the, the last month or so. Um, we actually just had our last game um, yesterday. Uh, I actually have to go in uh, later today and, and help them out with the event. But essentially after this event, um, you know, my, my time with the Woo Sox is, is, is over for this season. Um, but essentially for, for my day-to-day with them, um, what, what I would normally do is you know, I, I, would, I would get in around 4 or 5 if it was you know, a 6.45 game. Um, and it really all depended on uh, what position I was working. And so, you know, some, some games I would um, be the scorekeeper. And so, you know, I would, I would you know, keep track of the pitch count. I would say if it was a ball or a strike and then, you know, whatever happened. Um, on that specific play, I would put it into the computer. So, you know, if the guy got a single, I would, you know, put 1B. And that essentially connected to the scoreboard on the Nesson broadcast as well as, you know, what fans saw um, inside the stadium. And so, you know, it would show the count. And then, you know, when the guy came back back up to bat, it would say, you know, if he grounded out or if he got a single or whatever. Um, and then what I, what I would also do is um, sometimes I would be a camera operator. Um, and so w- whether it was, you know, right in center field or first, second base, um, I would be a camera operator for in-game stuff, also for the Nesson broadcast. Um, and then I also helped out as a, um, as a font and graphics operator. Um, and so, you know, we, we would talk with the broadcasters on what they specifically wanted to talk about that game. You know, if it was, if it was a walk-off, like Ryan Fitzgerald, you know, uh, we, we would look at how Ryan Fitzgerald has done this season. You know, I would, I would make a graphic kind of like you would see on any other regular Nesson broadcast. Um, and being able to, you know, see those behind the scenes of something that uh, I've watched throughout my entire life, watching the Red Sox, it, 
it was pretty cool. Um, and especially being able to see sort of um, how like a TV broadcast sort of runs with a director, um, you know, with with the replay operator, everything that has to come together to make the broadcast happen. I didn't fully realize um, everything that went into it. Um, and so like that, that was probably the, the best experience that I had. But um, I actually like did, I, I started with the Woosocks, like I mentioned uh, this past September. And it was, it was literally because uh, I was a media member starting off the season um, and ended up just being able to make relationships and, and an opportunity came about because kids were going back to college. And so um, I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, ask, ask if I could help out and, and got the position. And um, it, it was not only pretty incredible to um, be able to see the behind the scenes part of an Essen broadcast or what goes on with the Woo Sox, but you know, also be able to see the future Red Sox um, at Polar Park. So you mentioned that the yesterday's game for the Woo Sox against the Syracuse Mets was uh, the final home game of the year, and I was in attendance for that game. So it was... Uh, I wonder if I saw you or something like that, and we, we didn't even know it. <laughs> Maybe. Um, so it was fan appreciation week for the Woo Sox, and yesterday was a day for a meet and greet between the fans and the players, and me being at the game, I got to meet guys like Ryan Fitzgerald, Jaron Duran, Brian Mata, um, for you in this during that time what is it that you did to contribute to fan appreciation week and the game all together yesterday so yesterday specifically um, I actually during, during the fan appreciation um, signing essentially what I was doing for part of that time is I was, I was making graphics for the Nets broadcast um, and then I was also on one of the cameras um, just capturing, you know, the guys signing autographs and everything that happened pregame. So you know, then they could clip that up and use that for the Nessa broadcast later on that day. Um, and then in-game, um, I, was, I was in center field uh, as a camera operator. And so, um, you know, with that angle, essentially what I was getting was, you know, pitcher making the pitch and then, you know, I would zoom in and, and get uh, a shot of the batter from the waist up, and then they, essentially what they would use that for was to find the batter, show his show his statistics, um, and then anytime a guy got a hit or anything like that, um, since in center field I had the perfect shot of getting the guy around the bases, um, that would be my shot. Um, and so pretty pretty much you know what I hear in my ear is the director saying saying what shots he wants to use and you know saying camera four camera three camera two and so um you know it's really it's really cool to you know be able to you know see the different shots in the control room but be able to hear you know your shot is being used for the televised broadcast um and also sometimes for the in-game broadcast um and as well, you know, I, I didn't know that they were going to be doing the signing thing. And I actually said to some of my coworkers, uh, I, w- I was surprised that more fans didn't show up for it. Because if I was a fan, you know, I w- I'd bring all my friends to get autographs uh, for the, before the game and everything like that. But it's pretty incredible what the, what they uh, what they did for fan appreciation week. And you know, you obviously saw yesterday. You know, they gave jerseys, the, they gave fans the, the jerseys off their back and and everything like that. And so. Um, pretty cool to be able to uh, have have the ability to you know see the future Red Sox and get as close as you, know, you were able to yesterday. 
Uh, Spencer again. Uh, you mentioned a few minutes ago about how it's cool to get to see the players and stuff, see these professional athletes, some guys that are going to go to the MLB. I saw that a couple months ago you interviewed Chris Sale. You, had a, you asked a couple questions as posted on your Twitter. I mean, what's it like being able to talk to these athletes like when they're on a rehab assignment or these top prospects that you know are going to be in the league? Like, What is that feeling like for you? Dream come true, man. Um, it, it, it like, like I, I, it, I really can't grasp it, honestly. Like, um, I'm a year and a half out of college. You know what I mean? I was in your guys' exact position a few years ago, um, and so you know, those are kind of like pinch me moments for me, to be quite honest. And um, uh, it was, it was a really cool experience throughout this year to um, be able to learn how to be. True professional in this industry because um, you know I'm I'm a diehard Red Sox fan <laughs> and and um, walking in the clubhouse uh, for my first uh, you know media opportunity seeing Tristan Cassis to my left seeing Jaron Duran to my right you know especially before you know Duran had all this stuff happen throughout this season um, you know he was he was a he was a phenom and uh, a lot of excitement about both of those guys' names and. Um, I really had to learn how to, you know, take the fan hat off and, and put the reporter hat on um, and sort of take my fan feeling out of it. But, you know, especially during that Chris Sale day, I, I'm not going to lie, um, I, I felt I felt like a little kid again. Um, and especially when I had that, that opportunity to ask him a question um, and he looked me in the eyes, my heart kind of dropped, to be quite honest with you. Um, but especially in those moments, um, you know, I, I hope you guys get to – Experience those moments, especially when you're around, you know, networks um, and reporters from Nesson, Boston 25, you know, all these different huge networks. Um, especially in that Chris Sale instance, you know, we didn't get called on or anything like that, and so you know, I had to find any sort of you know airtime um, to be able to you know ask my question and butt in um, and be assertive, and especially being around all these people that you you know look up to, it's tough to do that, and so. Um, it was a great learning experience for me. I also got to interview, you know, Michael Waka, um, Christian Arroyo. But, you know, to be quite honest, after I had those instances, you know, I walked out of that clubhouse and, you know, you know did, did a did a little, let's go, like, let's go. Like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know what I mean? And um, even reflecting on it now, I, I still can't really believe it. Um, kind of a Kind of a funny question. Who do you think is your, like, favorite player not like not that you interview, but just like in general. In general, um, Red Sox specific, or or just like MLB in, in general. Um, we could maybe both. So Red so- Red Sox specific. Um, I I've never had the opportunity to meet him yet, but I really hope I do at some point. Um, I'd say you know, I, I bet if you ask any Red Sox fan their favorite player. Rafael Devers and Sandra Bogart, but my my favorite Red Sox player is Alex Verdugo. Um, I, I think I think the energy that he plays with um, is is exactly what Boston um, is Boston sports is all about. Um, how he loves the city, how he loves the fans, um, and you know also you know how how he's played ever since getting trade over um, from the Dodgers in, in the Mookie Betts trade. Just how he's carried himself and how professional he is. Um, and people forget, you know, this is only his second full 162-game season, so he just has so much potential um, and so much more room to grow. Um, and then my, my favorite baseball player um, at the moment, um, 
you know, I, I got to stick with uh, Bryce Harper. You know, I, I grew up, you know, watching Bryce Harper and um, looking up to him throughout my, you know, baseball career, um, playing in high school and like that sort of stuff. And so, um, you know, I just love the energy that he plays with as well. And, um, you know, how any time he steps up to the plate, um, you know, it, it, there's just a different energy in the Philadelphia um, stadium. Love that answer. Thank you. So, Jake, this is Austin again. Moving on to uh, the next part of everything it is you do. As you mentioned before, you're the host of the Iggy Sports Talk podcast and also the co-host of the Locked On Red Sox podcast. What is it like to have two different podcasts into your busy schedule and balance that while producing episodes and working at the same time? I tell you, it's not easy, um, and, and and that's something that you know I've I've really tried to um, focus on is, is how to juggle juggle everything at once, and and also be honest with myself, um, you know, if I'm not able to do that, and so, you know, I I, I used to post Iggy Sports Talk episodes every single week. Um, you know, I, I would love to get back to that point, but um, I, I haven't I haven't over the last few months just because. Um, Know, not, not only with the stuff that I do with the Pirates, the Woo Sox, um, five days, posting five days a week for Lockdown Red Sox. Um, I, I had to kind of be honest about if I wanted to, you know, sacrifice the quality of, of my personal podcast um, with my busy schedule. Um, you know, one thing that, like, I really try to focus on is not overwhelming myself to the point to where, you know, it, it hinders my performance on you know, all my other stuff. And so... Uh, I, I sort of, you know, took away that um, importance of posting every single week and, and sort of just uh, posting when I want, want wanted to for, for the Iggy Sports Talk podcast. Um, you know, I have, I have, you know, five, six episodes batched up for that podcast, but it's just about me getting around to the time to, to want to, you know, post those episodes because... You know, it, did, it did get to a point where I was forcing myself to post weekly, and um, I got the feeling of, you know, I wasn't having as much fun with it as, as I had before. You know, I wasn't getting excited to go and record. You know, I kind of felt like I was forcing myself. And, you know, you, you never want to get to that point, especially when, you know, you love what you're talking about. And so um, that's something that has been a little bit of a struggle for me. But, you know, even, you know, recording and posting five days a week um, for the Red Sox without the season it's been um it's, it's been a it's been an interesting learning experience for me you know especially when you know the pirates were in season i was traveling all over the place you know we were, we were traveling pretty much every every other week um you know to iowa north dakota you know bay area california and so um it was it was a it was a great learning experience um it wasn't it wasn't very easy but um that's what um that's why it's so important to be able to you know have a co-host to where you guys are able to juggle sort of the responsibilities and you know if you can't record they'll record or you know if the other person can't record then then you can take the reins and so um that's something that i i think um you know is so important to be able to have a co-host but also be able to you know have the mindset that you know if you don't post weekly like it's not the end of the world and you know you know somebody who's a constant listener you know if you if you are consistent with it then then you know they're going to be mad or um, you know, it, it's definitely something that I've, I've been able to learn from and get better from. But, um, you know, as I said at the start, it's definitely not easy. 
But going off of what you said about like it's it's all right if you don't post weekly. Um, I'm the president of our radio club as well as the host of our our podcast, the Bison Boys. So what's kind of a a good like key advice about like how to keep consistent and how to stay with it or even start up your own podcast like what what is like your biggest advice in general about having a podcast so with, with my my specific like personal one um i found it very valuable to like batch up episodes um so if you're specifically like for you guys like i i, I know especially with like you know nickel sports and you know it's, it's um sort of time dependent you know you know if, if you post what happened in in this week what happened in nickel sports next week like that's not going to make any sense because it's a, it's a week late um but you know if you're doing an interview or something like that you could essentially you could essentially you know record this interview that we're doing right now and post it in two weeks and it, it would it would be evergreen you know what i mean it, w- it wouldn't be time dependent um, and so if, if you wanted to be able to keep consistent guests or something like that, you know, you could, you could rec- batch record them. And so you could, um, be able to post them and sprinkle them in, in multiple different places and not feel, uh, overwhelmed. Like you have to have, um, something scheduled every single week because that's, that's really tough. And to be able to put that pressure on yourself, especially, um, on top of doing, you know, college classes and just having a regular social life, um, it's, it's, it's unnecessary to put that pressure on yourself and um you know especially if you're able to schedule it in a way to where uh you know you're you're able to spread everything out and and still be able to keep consistent with it i think that's super important um and you know something that you know i've really learned with podcasts as well is um you don't always have to have a guest on and um you know it doesn't always have to be 20 or 30 minutes you know even if you wanted to post like a five minute episode like who says that's wrong and you know that's something that you know especially somebody who you know has a personal podcast and essentially uh is the only one who manages it and says if something's right or wrong um that's something that i try not to do is get in my head about certain things um because you you can you can really post or record a uh, podcast really anywhere you could be driving on the freaking road and you know just just record something in your voice memos and post it you know it doesn't have to have a video version you're the only one who's telling yourself that it has to be video or audio you're the only one that's telling yourself that it has to be 20 or 30 minutes and um kind of like making it into your own sometimes too because you know i did a red sauce podcast um and it was 90 seconds uh video version and then I did a five-minute audio version to incentivize people to want to listen to it. But I pretty much market it as the fastest way for you to find your Red Sox news every single week. Um, because who wants to sit down and listen or watch something for 20 or 30 minutes when you can just listen or watch it in, in 90 seconds? And that was something that, you know, I was in my head a lot about, you know, it has to be 15 minutes, 20 minutes. But um, really, if you're the one who's managing it, you're the one who has control in it at the end of the day. Thank you, Jake. And uh, we wanted to briefly touch upon the mental health advocate part that you do. And as we all know, that's a big, big portion in everyday life nowadays. You see someone like Simone Biles stepping down from the Olympics because of her mental health. So do you mind just briefly touching upon what you do as a mental health advocate and the importance of mental health in your everyday life and in your sporting career. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, appreciate you guys bringing this up because th this is something that you know over the last uh, you know year or two has has been really important to me. And um, you know, I've I've dealt with mental health issues. Um, you know, I could I could say for for around ten years now. Um, ever since I was in high school, and you know, I, I sort of touched on it a little bit um, in, in this interview so far. But um, you know, just like the pressure that you can put on on yourself through overthinking and what you make up in your mind and you know the, just the pressures of society and um especially you know for for people like our age um you know having to get a job right out of college know exactly what you want to do at 18 or 21 is just so unrealistic um and that's something that i struggled with a lot um especially you know with comparing myself to other people whether it's job wise whether it's look wise you know social media wise um and having to uh be be somebody and, and, and uh, meet others' expectations. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, I try to implement into, you know, what I talk about with sports because I feel like, you know, nobody can really talk about, you know, who won this trade or how is this free agent doing. And I don't mind talking about, you know, the regular sports stuff, but um, why I love sports is, the, is um, you know, the things that make it bigger than the actual specific sport. Um, and, you know, especially being able to talk about, uh, different players' journeys on on how they've overcome struggles, or um, you know, what 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 they've gone through, and to, to be able to help others learn from that, I, I think is so valuable. And you know, some, something that I've noticed is you know we always look at sports athletes as, as role models, and um, you know if we're able to see them be able to overcome anxiety, overcome mental health struggles, then you know it'll motivate us to be able to um, be able to do the exact same. And uh, that, that's something that I've, I've really tried to, uh, you know, put in my, into my reporting as well is, you know, helping fans learn about the human being because at the end of the day, that's what these athletes are. That's what everybody is um, in, in this life other than obviously, you know, animals and like that sort of stuff. But um, being able to talk about what they do off the field and, and what makes them the person and who they are on the field, um, I, I think is really interesting as well. Um, and I, I think it helps, you know, fans gain a deeper connection with that specific athlete or team and um that's something that you know i try to implement into everything that i talk about and you know for, for me specifically you know i wake up every day i meditate um i do positive affirmations um and i journal and you know one of the biggest things that i believe has, has really helped me be able to um have the success that i've had in my short you know sports media career is um manifesting um, being able to um, know that something has already happened with time not catching up yet. And so, you know, I I, I said that, um, you know, I wanted to be able to host a Red Sox podcast. And, you know, I, I write down in my journal every day, I will host a Red Sox podcast. And um, one of the other things is I will be a digital host or reporter uh, for a sports team, which that's essentially what I am with, with, the, with the Pirates. And so I, I believe I've manifested everything um, that has happened to me so far in, in my sports media career and um, essentially just through believing that it's already happened time just hasn't caught up yet and um, that's that's what keeps me motivated each and every single day and um, you know that, that's something that you know I try and preach is for anybody who feels like you know they're behind or um, you know they're comparing themselves to other people in their journey and everything like that at the end of the day everything happens for a reason you're exactly where you're supposed to be in this exact moment and you're going through the exact things that you're supposed to so you can learn through the future and become better grow and learn more about who you are and who you want to be in the future and so um that's that's sort of what i've learned um you know through
through through my time out of college and um really at the end of the day you know every, everybody's trying to figure out what the hell this is and what what life is and so um don't take yourself too seriously don't take life too seriously just have fun with it and uh you know you only get every second one so enjoy it thank you for that uh powerful message to us and all of our listeners of our podcast and i just wanted to wrap up our interview with you with this uh question for benefiting us and all of our listeners as a whole and that is what is some advice you can give us and those listening for someone just starting off in the sports industry or in their career as a whole get onto LinkedIn. Um, LinkedIn has been the most powerful tool for me um, throughout, you know, wh- when I started my career. You can you can literally connect with absolutely anybody on LinkedIn. And um, really, you know, any, any job that you want. And so um, all, all my guests that I've pretty much gotten on Navy Sports Talk is through me just going into the search bar, typing in NFL player, MLB player, and just connecting with everybody. And, um, you know, Lawrence Taylor and Bo Jackson are my connections on freaking LinkedIn. Like, I've never talked to them before, but, you know, if I wanted to send them a message, who knows if they could respond or not. You know, the, the worst the worst case scenario is that they just don't respond or, you know, if I ask them to come on the podcast, they say no. Um, but the best advice that I would give is going to LinkedIn um, and for any company, any team, um, or, you know, any reporter or whatever, any, 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 anything that you want to do, um, just go and try and ask those people, you know, how they've been able to get to where they are today, you know, what they've learned throughout their journey. You know, I've had so many of those informational interviews and, um, you know, still talk to those people to this day. And, um, you know, especially when you do make those connections on LinkedIn, and you do start that relationship, um, really try and make it sort of like a friendship um, and, and learn about, you know, what are their favorite teams? You know who are their favorite players so then you know it gives you something to be able to check up on them about you know it's so like in a month's time you know they're a yankees fan and the yankees are on the alcs or whatever you know you're able to send them a text like you know how you feeling about the yankees in this in this upcoming series and um then you're able to you know talk to them about you know their favorite team and then you know that, that just gets the conversation rolling and so um you know that that's one of the biggest pieces of advice i try to give is Try to make as many relationships as possible because you never know on how those relationships might be able to help you because at the end of the day, everybody knows like a thousand people um, that, that you might not know. And so anytime I'm really like looking for a job or with anybody, um, I look through their connections um, and for the most part, uh, a few of my connections are already connected with them. And so, you know, if you're able to have that person that you already have a relationship with, be able to connect you with that person perfect you know what i mean that's just just another relationship and um something that you know i'm baffled by all the time is you know people that you know i emulate or i i want to talk to how accessible it is to be able to message those people not only on linkedin but twitter instagram and you know if you aren't able to connect with those people on linkedin as i mentioned try instagram try twitter especially with instagram it's super easy to message people and you don't know um you know, if, if those if those people get tons of direct messages or, you know, you're, you're one in a few, but might as well just send a message to see what happens. Just ask um, and sort of go about it as, you know, hi, my name is so-and-so, you know, I'm I'm a you know junior at Nicholas College. I'm really interested in sports marketing. 
I'd really, I'd really be interested in learning about your path and where you've gotten to where you're able to be. I greatly appreciate any time you have to be able to get on a, a phone call sometime this next week. And for the most part, people love talking about themselves. They'll, they'll, you know, give you as, as much advice as possible. And then for the most part, they'll probably say, let me know if there's anybody else that you're interested in speaking to. I can recommend you to those people because um, a lot of those relationships that I've been able to make um, ultimately end up helping me be able to talk to the people that I want to talk to, you know, whether I'm, you know, applying for a job or, you know, I want to get an interview or something like that. Um, and so reach out and try and make as many relationships as possible. Um, not only with people that are already in the industry, but even people, you know, who, who are college students as well, because, you know, they're going to be, um, they're going to be going to the job force as well. And, you know, you never know where those people could end up as well. And you know, one last thing is um, never burn bridges. Um, any job that you go to, always try and meet as many people as possible. And it does not matter who you are talking to, whether it's, you know, the lighting person, the microphone person, even if this person, wherever you're working or wherever you're helping out, you know, seems like, um, you know, they, they have no say whatsoever in, you know, the job that you potentially get or, you know, the person that you're trying to meet. Um, just always be nice to people because you never know, um, you know, what good word or um how you treat others um will be able to help you be able to you know get where you want to be or meet who you want to meet jake thank you so much for your time and fitting us in your busy schedule ladies and gentlemen that is jake ignuski from the worcester red sox and the massachusetts pirates thank you jake for your time thanks for coming on absolutely absolutely Thank you, and have a great rest of your day, Jake. You too, guys. All right, that was dope. Appreciate you coming on, Jake, if you're listening. That was a great interview. That was a great interview. I really appreciated that a lot. Awesome. Austin got the hookup on that one, so shout out Austin on that. All right, before we head into um, our our big segment, segment, wow, can't talk. Before we head into the big segment, I want to go over the Bison Beat just real quick. It is homecoming week, so... A lot of stuff going on. Uh, so this week is Spirit Week. Turn it down. Right, he hung up anyway. All right, you know what? Because you didn't put the phone back in the thing, man. Hang up the phone. All right, moving on. Uh, this week is Homecoming Week. Football we got our homecoming game. Uh, so today was pajama day. I have my pajamas on, and movie night. Um, Yankees. Um, so Tuesday, tomorrow, we got anything but a backpack day, as well as um, backyard babies. That's like they had that last year. That was pretty cool. Um, Wednesday is we wear green day, as well as the hunt for thunder. I, I think it's like a scavenger hunt. If you find thunder, you get some sort of, of prize, I guess. And then Thursday's character day, and as well as scavenger hunt, which is another scavenger hunt but it's not finding thunder it's finding something else I don't know what it is and you get a prize if you win and then Friday is Nichols Colors and then there's a giveaway later on in the afternoon and then Saturday is the football homecoming game as well as other games throughout the week alright awesome want to kick us off so we already went over the um the Nichols Athletics and everything and I just wanted to 
quickly touch upon stuff that happened over the weekend. And first, let's touch upon the Mac Jones injury, the apparent high ankle sprain that Mac Jones suffered during the one o'clock matchup between the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots and get your guys' opinion on that. Quote unquote, pretty severe high ankle sprain. What, when did it happen? Yesterday. It was late in the game. It was uh, two, minu- uh, two, minutes two minutes left yeah. in the fourth yeah. quarter. Hoyer the Destroyer. Seems like he's going to be starting next three games. Honestly, I think he deserves it. I think he should be hot take. Zap, but that's I think a we should hot take. take. I, I think, think we should be zapped. I think we should take. <laughs> I don't know. I think tanking is ridiculous in any sport. I don't think actually, like, honestly tanking, but just this year is not it for us. It's no. not. Uh, no. We're not going to get anything out of this year. We're not a playoff team. We're not going to go anywhere. So make the best of what we got, but who knows? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> I mean, this draft class upcoming is loaded, so I really, wherever we fall, I think we're I don't say, yeah, I was gonna, we don't have to tank, but, I mean, we're going to be up there in the draft, so. It's going to be hard, you know. Zap's a rookie. You know, we know how Mac struggled early on a little bit as a rookie, so. Uh, I also wanted to touch upon Mar- Miami Marlins manager Don Mattingly resigning. And in my opinion, that resignation is huge for the Marlins who are in the middle of a rebuild and have a great manager such as Don Mattingly. And best of luck to wherever he goes in the future. And it'll be interesting to see the direction the Miami Marlins go in the near future. I have a pretty good young core, so it would be kind of hard to mess all that stuff up. So I really hope they don't um, you know, end up messing that up with whoever they hire next. Because you can see like a team like the White Sox who got a, a manager like Tony La Russa who ended up really kind of drastically changing the entire landscape of the White Sox. Austin's taking off. See you later, buddy. Austin has to go. He has a... He has a coaching, coaching commitments. Do you have a game today? Yeah, yeah, against Clinton High. Oh. Away games. So I have yeah. to be at the school for 1.30. Yeah. Good luck, buddy. Right, good luck, Thank man. <laughs> Carrying on, though. Uh, back to the NFL. Mm-hmm. What the heck happened this weekend? I don't know. I don't think... A lot of upsets. I don't think I expected any single game this weekend to go the way I didn't think the Colts were going to win against the I Chiefs. I think the Dolphins were going to win. The, nah. I mean, yeah, it came down to... Uh, guy not running out of bounds but still mm-hmm. like i don't know uh the vikings uh, the vikings are gonna win they've never lost on leaf erickson day and yesterday was leaf erickson day so in franchise history they're undefeated on mr viking himself day wow. uh raiders are the only 0-3 team in the nfl which right is now. crazy because they have Devontae Derek adams and... darren waller healthy oh josh jacobs is healthy the team's and insane they haven't healthy. won which is ridiculous and the eagles are I mean, do, do we do we believe in it, or do we think it's just early season luck, bad teams? Uh, I mean, they're all one-possession games, so it's not like they're getting blown out every uh, game. I mean, uh, they I lost by five to the Chargers. 24 to 8 is a one-possession game. Uh, they lost by five <laughs> to the Chargers, by six to the Cardinals, and by two to the Titans. So. Oh, no, I'm talking, well, uh, we went to the Eagles. I, mean, I know the Raiders. The Raiders are one-possession games. Oh, I'm talking the about Eagles. the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles I was talking about the Raiders right there. I mean, yeah. even that. I think the Raiders are a no, solid No, the Raiders team. are a solid team. It's yeah, just they, they've had some bad luck to start okay. the season. But, I mean, for the Eagles, are they legit? I think, I think so. all around, I think they're playing really well. I think both sides of the ball are complimenting each other well. I mean, their defense, you just look on paper, it's top five defense on paper. 
I think Hertz is playing really well from what you expect him to be. You know, he's playing, he's throwing the ball a lot better than you'd think. I mean, we knew he would run the ball. They're the number one rushing attack on offense last year, and now they're starting to really put it all together. And it'll be good to see what they do in the future. But because I think this is kind of the prove a year for Hertz to see if he's a legit quarterback and can lead the team to where they should be. I mean, and they got the the team around him to do so. So I was going to say, with the team around him, usually you look at the Eagles and you have some glaring like lapses in their team, but you look at that offense this year and you can't say, oh, they have a weak receiving core like they have in years past or they don't have a quarterback or they don't have a running back because they have all of that this year for the first time in a long time. They didn't even have all that in their Super Bowl run. They didn't have the best receiving core during their Super Bowl run. They didn't have a running back during their Super Bowl run, really, but now they got... Miles Sanders in there, he's healthy. You Boston have Scott. Boston Scott, the giant killer, but <laughs> Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts at quarterback is kind of growing into growing into himself a little bit mm-hmm. this season. You got one of the best receiving cores in the league. I know a lot of people don't expect it, but AJ Brown and Devontae Smith as your one and two mm-hmm. is yeah, like, yeah, two up there with the best receiving cores in the league. And then Dallas Goddard at tight end. Mm-hmm. He's a solid. He's not a. I don't think he's a top five guy, but he's no. definitely solid enough to yeah. join that team. And I mean, their whole line's never been that bad. So crazy thing from yesterday, they had eight sacks against Washington. Eight yeah, sacks. Well, the, the, the Commanders, defense, baby. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that's as much to say. It's on the Commanders as the Eagles. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the Commanders' whole line's young slash inexperienced, but I think that Eagles front seven especially is really dominant. And then you put Darius Slay and James Bradbury across from each other with yeah. two great safeties as well. I think they're the, one of the most complete teams in the NFL. I don't see a hole in their entire team as of right now. As long as Jalen Hurts can keep up the production, and even if he does drop off a little bit, as long as he can keep steady production and not kind of bounce around. I know he's been inconsistent in the past. He's had really good games, really bad games. If he doesn't have any of those really bad games, I can I can see them taking the first seed in the NFC right now. A lot of the other teams in the yeah. NFC are like bouncing around kind of problems the Packers are here but then they're not here some days but that's like they're on and off I mean last night you can't really I mean yeah they shut down the the Buccaneers offense but they only scored 14 points you can't really call that a dominant win they won by two in a very low scoring game so they're not really I think the Eagles beat them right now and as for other uh, NFC teams they're just I mean the Rams aren't especially impressive i know they're coming back they're coming off of the super bowl and they've added some pieces but they're not really impressive i mean their o-line without andrew whitworth hasn't been what we're accustomed to and i think the eagles are taking off while they can no pun intended but they're trying to take uh-huh. off in the early the season in the early season while they can because they seem to be the only team in that conference that really has it together right now yeah i think nick sirianni's also been really underrated coach ever since he got there he's really shaped his team well. I mean, they made the playoffs last year. I mean, regardless if they lost by three possessions or not in the wild card round, but I think as a whole, the entire team is just almost complete. And that's something a lot of people don't think about, too. Like, they're a very young team, and yeah, it's only one game, but they have playoff experience. Jalen Hurts has a playoff game under his belt. Devontae Smith has a playoff game under his belt. Like, they've played in those big-time games, and they lost in that big-time game, so they're going to know what it takes to not have that outcome happen again. I mean, you've seen them, have they? I don't believe they've had a primetime game yet, have they? I don't think so, no. But, I mean, I'm confident. I know teams like this early in the season always seem to kind of crumble. I mean, you've seen it a lot of times when the Vikings look good. I mean, that's just Kirk Cousins. But 
kind of crumble when they get in a big primetime game. I don't think that'll happen with this Eagles team. I think, I mean, we said a week before the season even started, we thought the Eagles were winning that division, and I think they will. I don't even think it's going to be winning in week four. I think they're going to dominate that division. I don't think they lose a divisional game this year. Probably not. The way the other two teams, no, the way the other three teams are playing in that division right now, I don't think they lose a the divisional the game. Three? Uh, uh, Cowboys, Giants, and Commanders. I don't think they lose a divisional game this year. Especially now that Dax hurt. I don't know. The Cowboys yeah. defense, I think, is better than the Eagles defense, but I don't know how how they'll hold up as a whole. Truthfully, they go back on that experience thing with the Eagles. I mean, they won a Super Bowl four years ago, and they still have many pieces on that team that are still here. You know, you got Lane Johnson, you have Jason Kelsey, who are the two leaders of that offense ultimately, and you have Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, guys on the D line who are also the leaders of their defense. Yeah, they and they've gotten guys like A.J. Brown, who's played in playoff games before. You know, James Bradbury down in Carolina, he was in the playoffs too. And so C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the Saints, you got guys who all around have just been great players, and I don't I don't see them stopping anytime soon. I don't either. I mean, the, the culture on that team has to be great. But moving on to another young quarterback that might have just had a breakout game. I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking Trevor about. Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence against the Chargers. Of course, I didn't that, see <laughs> that defense on paper, I know they haven't played like it, but on paper, that's the best defense in the yeah. NFL. With the accolades that they have on that defense and the type of players they have on that defense, I that is the best defense in the NFL. I didn't start him, and I checked my bench, and I was so <laughs> upset. And Trevor Lawrence ripped them apart. I mean, oh two, 262 yards and three touchdowns. That's the best game of his career against be coming into the season the best defense in the league. I mean, they haven't played like it, but if they put it together, they're the best defense in the league. Who did they play? Uh, Chargers. Oh, yeah, James yeah. James Robinson, 100 yards and a touchdown. That's when I saw that. I was like, Zay Jones, 85 yards and a touchdown. And they spread the ball apart. I mean, Christian Kirk, 72 yards. Marvin Jones, yeah. they all had a touchdown. So he looked like Clemson Trevor Lawrence for the first time in his NFL career, I think, yesterday. I think he has a coach that compliments their entire team well. I mean, Peterson, like we just talked about, the Eagles, he was their coach when they won the Super Bowl four years ago. And, and they were the same. They're in the same position that the Jaguars are now too. They they sucked the year before, and then it was like, no, they won't do anything, and then they win eleven games. And we'll see. We'll see down the road how the Jaguars, you know, stick together and everything. But um, I think they need one more year, and I think they can be legit. I don't think they have enough playmakers on defense right now. At least I think their secondary is really weak. Uh, they don't have. I mean, I can look at this defense right now, and the only player I recognize is Josh Allen. And they yeah. just held the they held the Chargers to ten points. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert's injured, but still, I mean, like you said, Trayvon Walker's been playing really well. Josh Allen is Josh Allen. He's I mean the Jaguars Josh Allen D lineman. He's solid. He's not a Pro Bowl caliber player, but he's a solid guy. He's gonna he's gonna be consistent day in and day out. And I think if they build on that secondary, like you said, they'll be good. I mean, imagine they get a secondary like they had twenty sixteen, I believe. Randy, imagine, Bumier. imagine they get a secondary like that to a draft. Mm-hmm. I mean, those weren't those. I mean, Ramsey, yeah, was an early pick, but AJ Bouye was a late round pick. So, I mean, they definitely have an opportunity if they go right in this next year's draft and even free agency with the guys that are coming up. They could be a, a threat again. I think Christian Kirk's paying off really well too. I mean, he finally is getting the role he needs, and I don't know. It's kind of hard to determine what a good, you know, receiver in the Arizona offense is. You don't really know, you know what type of guy they'll need down there but didn't seem to work as much as you'd think but he came over to Jacksonville on a, a contract that people seem to view as a little bit outrageous and he's been playing you know top of the league right now I mean, I mean yeah. he's been consistent he's got a touchdown every game 
He's getting yards. He's getting catches. And, I mean, Lawrence is liking his new receiving core. His new coach is putting him in good, good places. So, I think I think they could win the division because of what's happening with the Titans and the Colts. I mean, the Texans aren't going to do a lot for the next few years. But, I mean, the Colts keep struggling. I mean, yeah, they beat the Chiefs by three. But I don't think that that's going to – they can't sustain that those types of wins just squeaking. You remember too, if you watch, if you saw any part of that game, I mean, Mahomes was not for the first time we've seen Mahomes was not in. In like he wasn't with his offensive coordinator. They had a split between them. They he didn't want to run the plays that the offensive coordinator was calling, and when that happens, the offense just isn't going to get going. When your play caller doesn't want to run the plays that he's given. Like you got Mahomes sitting out there, he wants to check out of everything. The enemy's not giving him the plays to check into, stuff like that. It's just not going to work. It's not going to come together. So that was a really bad game for the Chiefs, and I think if the Chiefs look like they're mirror themselves at all, the, the Colts had no shot. The Colts just got lucky. Uh, I feel like the Colts just got lucky on a bad day for the Chiefs. Yeah, their defense is good, but even with the Colts not having their wide receiver one, I think it hurts a lot. But they definitely won, but it wasn't by much. And then, I mean, with going back to the Christian Kirk contract, we're talking about it. So I know it's only been three weeks, but you say he doesn't deserve that contract. 267 yards over three games, eighth in the NFL, on 18 receptions, which is tied for 19th. So he has the eighth most receiving yards on the 19th most receptions. That's really good. It's really good. And for his touchdowns, he's tied for second in the league in touchdowns right now. Mm-hmm. If he stays at that pace for the season, yeah, you pay him $120 million. Like, it's just, you you pay $120 million for the second most receiving touchdown in the league. That's almost a, that's almost a deal. That's almost yeah. a steal for right there. If he, can keep, if he can keep producing like this, I mean, and 12 yards per catch, that's in that Jaguars offense, which is a lot of quick slants, a lot of hitches. That's not bad at all. So, I think... It's worth it. I think he was, he's panning out well. I don't know if he'll be able to keep it up the whole season. It also could be just defense is not really game planning for him because he's never been that guy. So if we'll see as the season goes on when teams start to put their number one corner on him, teams start to really game plan for him, we'll see how it goes. But at the same time, you look at that and then you have Zay Jones, who's another solid receiver, and Marvin Jones, who's another solid receiver with three backs that can catch the ball in the backfield. I think once, I mean, Trevor Lawrence finally seems comfortable like we were talking about. So I think this team can surprise a lot of people but they're going to have to do a lot of outscoring later in the season because I don't think that defense is going to hold up much. Um, moving on to the AFC West, you know, we were just briefly talking about the Chargers losing, and I, I think that's just a, a spell. Not that not, that's not going to continue on with the year, but... Justin Herbert's hurt. I mean, he, he'll get over that injury and be back to his normal self. The Denver Broncos are really looking bad, and, you know, for what they gave up, I mean... The picks, they gave up Locke, they gave up Fant, they gave up uh, Shelby Harris, D Lyman, they gave up three, four, five picks for <laughs> Russell Wilson, and he's not producing anything. I mean, they scored 11 points. Yeah, the Niners' defense is good, and, you know, but I mean, their defense held up. They gave everything. up four sacks as well, that old line. But, I mean, he went 20 for one third, he went 20 for 33 with 184 through the air. He had a 75.8 rating, which. I'm not out of the max. Not. Out of the max, one fifty-eight. That's not good. not good. And for QBR, sure. thirty-four. Uh, the QBR is out of hundred, and the uh, rating is out of one fifty-eight point three. So that's, I'd like to see down the road what they do with it. But scoring sixteen twice in eleven 
and being two and one seems a little fluky because I think they're going to come across some better offenses than the Seahawks, Texans, and the 49ers. I mean, yeah, the 49ers scored 10, which isn't good, but I think their offense is better than 10 points. Yeah. You know, once sure. you start getting into divisional play, because they haven't played anyone in the AFC West yet, they play the Raiders this week coming up. You know, and then down the road, you'll play the Chargers twice, Chiefs twice. Yeah, I think, too, the Raiders are coming with a vengeance, too. They know they know they shouldn't be 0-3 right now, and they're going to come with some fire in that game and try to put Denver in the dirt, really. I wonder just what the relationship between Nathaniel Hackett, their new head coaches, and Russell Wilson. I mean, over in Green Bay, you know, you see how good Green Bay's offense was, you know, over there with Rodgers, and you get another guy like Wilson who at one point was considered a top – Five QB, arguably a few years ago. Top three at one point, mm-hmm. and then mm-hmm. you know, as he gets older, I mean, Rodgers has gotten better with age. Two MVPs the past two years. Russell Wilson seems too. to be on the decline a little bit. Russell Wilson's a bit of a different player too. Like yeah, Russell or yeah, uh, Rodgers was mobile earlier in his career, a little bit quicker, but his play style never really relied on that. I mean, there was that one I think 2018 season where he was running all over the place, but I mean, that's one season of his career. All the other seasons have been a good pocket passer, whereas. Russell Wilson's never played behind a good O line. I don't care what you say about the Super Bowl teams; those O line, the O lines on those teams were terrible. Good. And his entire career, he's had to run around avoiding sacks. He's had to take hits as he's throwing his whole career. And everyone kind of knew that that wasn't gonna stand as he gets older. Like he's in his thirties now; that it's gonna start taking a little bit more of a toll on him than it did when he was twenty-seven, twenty-eight. So. I don't think he can take another season of, like we said, they've given up multiple sacks every game, I believe. And four sacks yesterday, that, that you can't give up four sacks a game. Your quarterback is not going to be able, he's not going to be himself after week six if you give up four sacks a game. It's just not going to work. And, I mean, the only bright spot on this team so far has been Cortland Sutton, in my opinion. Jerry Drew's been playing all right, too. But, I mean, I mean, I don't know where where they're going to go. It's really hard. I mean, the first three weeks of the NFL as a whole for every single team, I could say you don't know where they're going to go. No. I mean, this this season's just been crazy regardless, but I think the Broncos have been kind of the biggest surprise because a lot of people, yeah, they're 2-1, and one, but a lot of people have been seeing them as top three seeds in the AFC, like them yeah. going into the division. I mean, we were, coming in, the division. we were coming into this year, we were talking last year, last season on the podcast when we were still in school, talking about how we, I mean, the AFC West is going to be the toughest division in football. The mm-hmm. AFC West has all these weapons, all these teams that are going to go 10-plus wins until they have to play each other, stuff like that. And you have two really big disappointments. I know that the Raiders have been in one-score games, but they're 0-3 still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they've been playing well, but they haven't won. You have the, the Broncos. They're 2-1. and one. Looks a little bit better, but they haven't put up more than two. T- they haven't put up over 16 in a game. An NFL offense averaging the points per game that they're averaging right now, I mean, that's I'm pretty sure that's worse than, I think, what the Browns scored per game yeah. in their own 16 season. So, I mean, it's not it's just not working out. That offense is not a – and you're watching – watch that offense. It's not a Russell Wilson offense. They're not doing enough RPO. They're not doing enough play action. They're not rolling him out of the pocket. He's just – they're trying to run – I don't know. They're trying to run an offense that just doesn't fit him. Mm-hmm. He's a deep ball passer. He's not a he's not a guy who throws lasers through the middle. He's not a guy that wants to check down. He wants to go deep. He wants to throw the posts, the corners. He wants to throw outs and stuff like that. He's not he's never been an over the middle quarterback. And it seems like a lot of the stuff they're trying to get him to go to the tight end more. Yeah, it makes sense. But 
just the way they're running that offense isn't working. Too many, too many crossers through the middle. He's never been, he's never been that kind of quarterback. He wants to look outside. He wants receivers like he had. He wants a DK Metcalf. He wants those kind of guys on the outside, which he has. He has a Jerry Judy. He has a Corn Sutton. Corn Sutton's a big receiver. He's six foot four, dude. And they're not game planning for that. Mm-hmm. But you get Russell Wilson. Everyone says he's a deep, he's the best deep ball thrower in the NFL. I still truly believe that he's. I I believe that him. Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are just another level when it comes to throwing deep balls. Mahomes and Herbert, I don't think so, because Mahomes and Herbert have have the cannon. Rodgers has velocity on his throws, but I don't think he has the distance. That's Mm -hmm. my thing. But Russell Wilson is a category of his own with the accuracy. Mm -hmm. He always puts the ball where only his receivers can catch it, and they just haven't been giving him those opportunities. They haven't been throwing it downfield, and maybe that's defense's game planning for that well. Maybe it's Nathaniel Hackett having bad play calling. We won't know until the season gets later on, but I think the Broncos need to play more towards Russell Wilson's strengths. Yeah, I mean, last thing before we move on to um, some other games here, I think they're running a Hackett offense, like you were saying. You know, they're just doing a lot of stuff that he would do with Rodgers, and you know, you gotta you gotta bend to the strengths of your quarterback, like you were saying. And I think if you know they can mutually try to do something that. You know, meets in the middle. Like, yeah, you gotta start throwing. You gotta be a little more conservative sometimes, but also try to get those deep balls going. Like, something can be his Metcalf, and Judy can be his Lockett. I mean, Judy's got the speed. We've seen him at Bama. We've seen him when he was healthy past couple of years. And I think that you know, I think they're gonna have to try to play together, meaning uh, Wilson and Hackett, and try to get something going. Um, I think the one last game we need to touch on is the Miami Dolphins Bills game. Mm-hmm. Um, Tua took a pretty jarring hit, got up, stumbled around everywhere, and they called it a back injury. <laughs> and he somehow still stayed in the game and beat the assuming or the uh, favored to win the Super Bowl by two points with Josh Allen throwing for 400 yards. I mean, you look at uh, just look straight at the QB stats right now for me. There's no way the, the Dolphins win this game. No way. 13 Tua, for 18. 186 yards and a touchdown. And then you look at Josh Allen. Yeah, he threw the ball 63 times. That's a lot. First of all, let's talk about that. That's a lot of times to throw a football. They ran the ball 23 times. 23 times that game. And eight of those were Josh Allen, which not a single one of those was a design run. So, really, they ran the ball 15 times. They handed the ball off 15 times this entire game. That just shows me you don't trust your run game. And that shows me that defenses can run a a five-man box and – put and just have run dime coverage and beat you if you double team if you double like if you get a team that figures out right now looking at this double teaming stefan Diggs, making sure dawson knox is contained it doesn't look like buffalo i mean because that's exactly what the dolphins just did it doesn't look like buffalo is going to be able to handle it i mean stefan Diggs had his first quote-unquote bad game of the season he still has 74 yards but when you don't have a single rusher over 50 yards and the quarterback's your leading rusher after thro- and you have to throw the ball 63 times and you only score 19. Saying something. It says something about just the way that offense is happening right now. Yeah, he had a couple big plays, but they weren't big plays where they needed to be. The Dolphins kind of stepped up in the red zone, stepped up on their side of the field and got three and outs after big plays, whereas then you go look at I don't know how Miami won this game looking at the stats. I didn't actually see the whole game. I was a little bit busy, and it wasn't on TV around here. But Tua has 186 yards and a touchdown, 13 for 18. They throw the ball 20 times. Teddy Bridgewater had two plays. They throw the ball 20 times. Okay. First of all, this is 2022 NFL. Throwing the ball 20 times looks like either 
your run game is going amazing or you just don't have the ball. They only ran the ball 17 times. They ran the ball less than they ran the ball less than the they threw the ball and ran the ball less than the Bills and had less yards than both. The leading rusher had 21 yards. It was Chase Edmonds. Jalen Waddle had 100, 102 receiving yards, and then after that, it just dropped right off. So you look at that and you say, "Wow, I thought the Dolphins' offense was supposed to be their strong suit this season, and the defense really stepped up today. They held the best offense in the NFL, and I know we all agree on that to 19 points." Uh, yeah, I think the whole running game issue speaks to the Dolphins' front seven more. I mean, Singletary has been playing better than what you think Singletary has been because yeah. of, I think they, they did upgrade their own line a little bit. Um, yeah, you don't, st- obviously, you still don't expect a whole lot from the Bills' running games because that's not who they are. It's never really who they have been since McDermott got there. But I do want to, you do have to give a little credit to the Dolphins, I think. I think their front seven is, you know, top five. Definitely top ten in the league, just because their defense has always been a strength. So I know we both have experience with these two guys, but Alandon Roberts and Kyle Van Noy in the middle of that defense have been playing extraordinary so far this season. Like you're yeah, saying, it sucks that they're not Patriots anymore, but it's good to see them so playing upset. well and good to see them part of a good defense. It just sucks that it's got to be in our division. But you look at. Let's see. I mean, sacks. They had four sacks, which is a lot against a. Uh, Josh Allen team. Josh Allen doesn't take sacks like that. So I think that I, I think it's looking well. I mean, they've built the defense together. Miami's had a good defense for the last four years. Not the best, but it's been good. And now they have the offense to back it up. So it's good to see them. I mean, they won a rough and tumble game. They went up against the best team in the AFC, and they punched them in the mouth pretty much. And they played really good defense, and they won a game. Nothing impressive about this game except for Josh Allen throwing for 400 yards, and he lost. So yeah, it shows that Miami has some fight in them. They're three and zero. So before we wrap it up, who's winning tonight? One, there's one team who's winning tonight. Who's playing? What's the matchup? Giants Cowboys. It's it's gonna. I Giants. I gotta go Giants. I don't like the Giants, but I have to. I don't think Cooper Rush can. I don't think Cooper Rush will do too well against the Giants defense. I think the Cowboys are gonna win. I'd say. Yeah, I think they're going to put up, I think, 24, 24 points. I think the Giants will maybe put up 17 maximum. I think the Giants' wins are touch fluky. They've all been, you know, low-scoring games. They beat, you know, they beat the Panthers by three last week. That's not that impressive. They beat the Titans by one, which isn't that impressive either anymore because Titans have almost no passing attack. Tannehill's not a good quarterback, and I think their defense is not as good as it usually is. So I think the Cowboys are going to win tonight. I think, I, I don't know. I just... I just think that there's something weird about the Giants this year. I don't know how they've been winning yeah. these games, but Saquon is back. We can agree on that, unless he gets hurt. But also their defense has been been playing a little bit better than expected. Xavier McKinney's growing into his role very well there, the safety that they drafted from Alabama. He didn't play much last year, I believe. He got hurt. But I don't know. I don't think so far this is the last two the two primetime games we had this week. I didn't want to tune in for either of them. I look at I look at the Broncos game, the Broncos Niners as like maybe four or five years ago. That's an exciting game, but right now it's like, why is it in prime time when we have Tom Brady playing Aaron Rodgers? Right. And then you get tonight. Yeah, it's it's Cowboys Giants, blah blah blah. Woo, the America's team, but no one wants to see the Giants play in prime time anymore. Until they until they win more than six games in a season, no one wants to see them play in prime time. 
put the put the charger. I mean, I mean, I get there's a point in that, but put like what games do we have here? Put, put Raiders Titans on primetime. Put Chiefs Colts on primetime. Yeah, they weren't amazing games, but they're tight games. You know they're going to be good Pats, games. Pats close. Ravens. Pats Ravens. I understand yeah. why they wouldn't put the Pats on primetime. We don't have the same appeal right now. But still, that's going to be a better game than the game we see tonight. The game we see tonight is going to be low scoring. It's going to be a defensive game. And yes, a lot of football fans will appreciate that, but a lot of people want to see offense. You want to see, like, it, it's just weird. But then again, you look at it, and this week, there were a lot of bad games. So. I don't know. Hopefully next week looks up a little bit better, but I am liking where the season's going. It's unpredictable so far. Yeah. That's what we love to see. All right. That will wrap up this episode. I know we didn't talk about our, our football games. We'll just leave it in the past and yeah. move on to this coming <laughs> homecoming week. We play Western New England at home, so pop on to that. Uh, that will conclude the Bison Boys episode three of season two. Hope you all enjoyed. We talked to Jake. We talked a lot about uh, things coming up this week, NFL, and recap a lot of stuff. All right, guys, we'll catch you next week. Thank you.